Welcome into 444.com, the most accurate podcast, alongside John Paulson and Anthony Stalter. Uh, apologize if my if my voice or audio is a little different, working on a, a different laptop today, different settings. So John does most of the talking anyway, so hopefully it'll be okay for one week. And again, apologize for any any sort of technical difficulties. Uh, John, welcome in. How are you doing today? I'm not doing bad. How are you doing today? Other than doing the technical good. difficulties. <laughs> Yeah, and it'll be hopefully it'll be fine. But tell us about the music that that brought us in. We'll dive into the pod. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a Tom Petty's uh, the anniversary third anniversary of his death uh, today. So he was one of my, as you know he's one of my favorite artists, if not my favorite artist. That uh, him and the Beatles are go hand in hand, I would say. Um, so this um, track was just released not too long ago. I think it was this last week. It's called Leave Virginia Alone. It's a uh, outtake. Uh, that was recorded during the Wildflowers uh, sessions, uh, 1994-ish, and uh, they are releasing a expanded version of the Wildflowers. Uh, it was originally conceived to be a double album, and they ended up just releasing one album, and they so they have like 10 songs that are all really good that I've heard so far uh, that are going to go on this uh, compilation uh, double disc set uh, coming out, I think, in October this month, or maybe next month. So... Uh, put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can access uh, in the show notes. Uh, check it out. Leave Virginia Alone by Tom Petty. John is a massive Tom Petty fan. I know he's got a little story to share at the end of the podcast as well, so you want to stick around for that if you're a Tom Petty fan, and I think most of us are. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Sports are finally back. Fantasy football, basketball, playoffs, baseball, golf, and more. FanDuel has you covered for that. A couple of house, house cleaning, uh, housekeeping items first before we dive into the pod. 4 for 4 now has a Discord, so if you want to join, great. All you do is go to HTTP, and you don't need the HTTP, uh, bit.ly slash 444discord, so bit.ly slash 444discord, that's in all lowercase, you can verify your subscription and you can get started. And if you still haven't signed up for 444, you can get a free 444 subscription. If you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a new daily fantasy site, you just need to be a new Monkey Knife Fight user and deposit $10 into your account after you sign up. That offer is good for for a free 4 for 4 Classic Pro or DFS subscription, so it's up to a $99 value. This is a no-brainer, assuming you live in one of the 35 approved states or in Canada. Details are at bit.ly slash 444MKF. That's all in lowercase. And that number four, F-O-R, number four, M-K-F, again, all lowercase. The offer is good for existing 4 for 4 subscribers as well. Just go through the process and then email support at 444.com to let them know and then they'll add you to a they'll add a year to your existing subscription. Let's talk about Tennessee and Pittsburgh. That game is postponed because of the COVID outbreak involving the Titans. They were originally John thinking about maybe Monday or Tuesday for that game, but at this point we know that the game between the Steelers and the Titans has been postponed to later in the year. It looks like Minnesota, who the Titans played a, ye- a week ago, is clear and will play this week. 
Let's talk a little bit about how this impacts fantasy owners. Obviously, any any owner that's got a Titan or a Steeler needs to make arrangements right now. Yeah, and uh, you know, I've, I saw a lot of doom and gloom yesterday about this, and it's. It certainly has the potential to spin out of control. I mean, look how quickly the NBA shut down earlier this year, and uh, the other sports just shut down because uh, they just were, were not did not have any plans in place to deal with any of this. And this right now doesn't seem like the greatest solution either. It sounds like what they're going to do, uh, and this isn't official yet, but Baltimore has a week eight by, um, Pittsburgh also has a week eight by, and. Tennessee has a week seven by, uh, and Baltimore and Pittsburgh are going to play to play each other. Um, hold on, I lost my window there. Uh, we're supposed to play each other in week uh, seven, so they'll probably move that Baltimore-Pittsburgh game to week eight and then move the Pittsburgh-Tennessee game to week seven. Now, there, there happens to be a, a fairly simple fix for this one game, um, but that's not necessarily going to be the case for uh, other outbreaks like this. So hopefully this is a wake up call for all the teams out there. And I know two more Titans um, tested positive. I think it was announced today by Adam Schefter or reported today by Adam Schefter. So now it looks like it's possible that the week five game might be impacted, which is also not great. Uh, So we'll see. That's the game against Buffalo. So um, owners that are thinking ahead might want to plan uh, for po- a possible Buffalo by the you know week five, un, you know not an unsuspecting, unplanned for by uh, in week five. So that's where we are at this point. I'm you know I'm glad that there haven't been any positive tests in Minnesota, so it doesn't affect those you know Minnesota and Houston. Um, so that's where we are. And, and I will just add this related news, which is the next item we were supposed to talk about is AJ Brown. Um, was going to be questionable, I guess, for this game. Possibly he could play. So the bright side, if you're an A.J. Brown owner, is that he gets his bye right now and has one, possibly one less missed game uh, this season if he's able to return in week five and he's expected to return uh, next week. Let's talk about other wide receivers that are banged up, and we'll talk about their statuses for week four. Michael Thomas of the Saints, he was limited still with that high ankle sprain. Devontae Adams of the Packers, who missed last Sunday night's game against this, the Saints, he's got a hamstring injury still. He's he's limited. Julio Jones was limited, but he did return to practice. He's dealing with a hamstring injury as well. John Brown, he's got a calf injury. He's limited. Christian Kirk, groin injury. You guessed it. He's limited, but he's back at practice. Thomas isn't a lock to return this week per NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. Adams and Julio Jones, though, they're looking good, John. And then Bills head coach Sean McDermott said on John Brown practicing on Thursday he did some good things. I'm anticipating he'll be available for Sunday, but I don't want to say for sure just yet. What are your thoughts on the wide receivers mentioned that are all banged up? Yeah, I'll go through them quickly. I put Michael Thomas in the in the rankings, although it it does sound like Ian Rappaport is – trying to get us to exercise caution that it's not so much about how he practices it's about the chance of re-injury which makes you wonder if he has a chance of re-injury why is he practicing at all I mean that would be my question I'm guessing he's going to play but uh, you know they have a uh, early kickoff um, on Sunday so we should know Sunday morning for sure and, and hopefully we'll find out more today and tomorrow as the as the news develops Adams looks like he's a go. Uh, we're going to talk about Alan Lazard in a bit, but uh, Adams said that he probably could have played 
against the Saints, but they wanted to be cautious. So I think he's going to be out there Monday night. He's got an extra day to recover as well, and he's already back at practice, which is a good sign for him. Uh, looks like Julio, same situation. Uh, the Brown thing, John Brown thing, is interesting because calf injuries are usually pretty tricky. Uh, more than one week injury, you know, knocked him out of the game on Sunday. He had a goose egg, which uh, hurt um, his fantasy owners, obviously. But uh, it was good for uh, Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley, who would be sneaky starts if Brown uh, has to sit against the uh, Raiders. Uh, but it looks like you know Brown has a chance to play. Uh, it would be a little bit Larry to play him given the calf injury, but um, he's been so productive this year when healthy, and he's I think he was the number ten fantasy receiver heading into week three um, before the injury. So you know, really that offense is humming, and it's it's nice to have a piece of it when you can. Uh, it looks like Christian Kirk's going to be back. Uh, if that's if that's the case. Um, we're also going to talk about DeAndre Hopkins missing practice, but if, if both players are back, uh, it, it sends Andy Isabella back to the bench probably, uh, even though he was really productive, especially around the uh, red zone for the Cardinals. Uh, so that kind of sums up that group of, of, of receivers, and we have another group to talk about, don't we? Yeah, we do. So Will Fuller, hamstring, limited. Odell Beckham Jr., back, limited. Calvin Ridley, ankle, did not practice. Terry McLaurin, thigh limited he was downgraded on thursday deandre hopkins ankle didn't practice wednesday or thursday fuller going back to him for a second is going to be fine according to bill o'brien so another interesting group of wide receivers here all at least in that wide receiver two range although calvin ridley has emerged as a wide receiver one john so a lot of a lot of injuries still impact in this group of wide receivers as well yeah it's nice that bill o'brien is is so certain that will fuller is going to be <laughs> is going to be <laughs> he just doesn't. i mean it's bob, a running bob it's, doesn't it's care it's totally a running joke in, in the fantasy industry about Will Fuller and how he's like the carrot, you know, out on the stick, and and like he just he says so much upside, but then is just super injury prone it seems with his soft tissue injuries. Uh, yeah, he's got a nice matchup this week. Or it's not even nice; it's fantastic against the the Vikings. Barely their secondary. Uh, if he can play, I mean, he played last week. This is a group of players that played last week, and are now dinged up and looking a little strange. Uh, I don't like the downgrade. Uh, when it when they happen for Fuller and McLaren, uh, I think Beckham's okay. I think Ridley will be fine. I I don't panic about Monday night football players on Thursday. I start to get worried about them if they're not practicing on Friday or Saturday. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll see more this you know today and tomorrow uh, with these players. I would expect Hopkins to play too. He's I don't think he's missed many games as a as a pro, and um, I expect he'll be out there. So. We'll just have to wait and see on these guys. If there's some upside, let's say Fuller sits, Cooks and Cobb get a bump. If Beckham happens to sit, which I don't think he will, uh, you know, Landry is your best bet. Maybe uh, Austin Hooper gets a bump. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I think, will play. But, you know, if he's out, you know, obviously Julio and uh, Russell Gage, who has a concussion. So he's been limited. He's still in the uh, concussion protocol. So keep an eye on his status. And McLaren, I don't know that I would run to any of these other uh, Washington receivers, if he's out, uh, I don't think you could really, really trust him. Um, if Hopkins is out, then I think Andy Isabella is back in the in the sneaky start category. You had mentioned Alan Lazard; he's out four to eight weeks after core muscle surgery. What are your thoughts on the Packers situation, especially with such a great matchup where they should hang at least forty-five points on the Falcons' defense? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to have T. Higgins uh, as our first-round pick. 
uh, ready to ready to roll uh, in his place. <laughs> but instead, we you know we have Jordan Love, and he's been inactive the first few weeks of the of the season. But he's the quarterback of the future, I guess. So um, I'm not being sarcastic at all there. Uh, you're three and zero, John. At least you're not zero and three, and you've blown two massive historical well, that, leads. I mean, that makes it worse. I mean, we're three and zero, and then we got our butts whooped by uh, the 49ers last year twice. And I mean, how close are we to the Super Bowl? Well, anyway, I'm not going to get off on a tangent. <laughs> uh, somebody called me the uh, the Packer Green Bay Packer Eeyore. Uh, on Twitter, which I thought was pretty funny because I'm always <laughs> doing doing with the Packers. Um, so, yeah, we. I mean, Lazard. As soon as he turns into a you know minor star, uh, he's out for a month and a half, two months. <laughs> um, obviously, Marquez Valdez Gandling is going to be on the field more, and he's got a lot of upside. Although he's super inconsistent, uh, you know, week to week. Uh, Darius Shepard was actually playing ahead of Malik Taylor, even though Taylor was has been active, I think, all three weeks. Uh, Shepard was out was the one out there running running more routes uh, in the in the Saints game. Equinemius St. Brown is on IR until next. I think he can return next week. And if you remember, they picked up uh, Robert Foster, who had some really good games as a rookie in 2018 for the Bills. I think he went over 94 yards like four times down the stretch of that season and then never really got a chance to, to play for the Bills anymore because they signed John Brown and he just sort of went to the you know went to the bench. And they also had that CFL star Reggie Bedgelton, Reggie Bedgelton on the practice squad as well. So these are the players that are going to be vying to be, I mean, you know, Shepard and Taylor will probably be active on, on game day for sure. And then St. Brown, Foster, and Bedgelton would be competing uh, to be that, you know, fourth fifth receiver that's active on game day and maybe one of these guys I mean it's possible that they saw so much in St. Brown that that's why they didn't draft a receiver and they really feel like he's somebody that can emerge this year I mean he's be the primary guy uh, other than Valdez Scantling and Lazard that would perhaps take a leap from from last year Let's talk about Kareem Hunt now as we continue to talk about the injuries impacting week four. He's dealing with a groin injury. He's expected to play on Sunday. The injury isn't serious. What's your advice for Kareem Hunt owners? Groin injuries are tough, uh, especially for running backs and, and receivers. You know, a quarterback can kind of get away with it because they don't have to run as much. But these guys that have to run and cut like that, it's a little – I get a little worried about it. But they're they're playing uh, the Cowboys – and actually it Browns are two and one. I didn't realize that. Uh, they're playing uh, the early game on Sunday, so we should know. It, it sounds like that they are, you know, expecting him to play. Um, uh, it, the, the the total mispractices on Wednesday and Thursday are concerning, but I think you know if he gets a, a practice in today or limited reps in today, he should be okay. the The game flow might favor him more than. Uh, Nick Chubb this week, if if the Cowboys are able to jump out to a lead, but I don't know if there's any. I don't know that there's any guarantee that the Cowboys are going to jump out to a lead at this point. So they're going to be a lot of shootouts. The defense isn't playing very well. Uh, the Browns can run the ball and control it. You know, which, I mean, Chubb's amazing um, as a runner, and Kareem Hunt's pretty good too. So, and they have a good offensive line, a lot of talent there. So, you know, they should be able to stay in this game, and that might favor Chubb. Uh, if they fall behind, then then Hunt gets the the nod because he's you know better in PPR formats. 
Leonard Fournette, meanwhile, he didn't practice yesterday. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Would you qualify Ronald Jones as a nice flex option as the Bucks welcome in the Chargers this Sunday? Yeah, I mean, uh, boy, I, I, I thought Ronald Jones was done. You know, his, his job, his time as a starter was done after what happened in week two. And then he comes out and leads the backfield again and touches and Fournette barely plays. And I don't think it was the ankle that really, I mean, Fournette played in the fourth quarter of that game. So I don't think it was the ankle that caused the, the big touch disparity. But if Fournette's out, then, yeah, I think Jones is looking like a 15 to 20 touch guy uh, against the Chargers and the Chargers defense is pretty banged up I mean they have so much talent in the defense but they're missing some guys uh, and with the way that the Bucks receiving core is banged up then uh, Jones could see some extra work in the passing game as well as could uh, LaShawn McCoy George Kittle, the tight end of the 49ers, looks like he's ready to go. He practiced in full on Wednesday, practiced in full on Thursday, and he said he's, quote, ready to let it loose against the Eagles. This is a great matchup for Kittle. Yeah, I think he's back in your top five. He you know, probably could have played last week, but they held him out due to the turf um, at Life Stadium. I, I tweeted this out, though, that it's amazing that the year is 2020 and we have a stadium that is the home of two teams and people are afraid to play their semi-injured players on the turf because it's so bad. Uh, it's not a good state of affairs, I would say, for the NFL. Not a great look, but uh, Kittle should be back this week. And uh, I would I would die. If you, if you got Kittle, you got you got to dial him up. All right. Last week, we failed to mention Jared Cook, which is a no-no in in our podcast. So I I reached out to our fearless leader, Josh, and I said, look, if John Paulson doesn't want to talk about Jared Cook, I don't want to do the podcast anymore. So I'm glad that you've you've got Jared Cook in our notes here to talk about. He, of course, I'm kidding. He's got a groin injury, too. He didn't practice on Thursday, John. Yeah, and again, the groin injury. Uh, he looked like he was limping pretty good against the when he left the left the game against the Packers. Um, I it doesn't look like he's going to play, but we'll see what he's able to do at practice today. Uh, if he's out, Adam, Adam Troutman is an interesting sneaky start, uh, cheap DFS play uh, in this offense. I mean, obviously, if if Michael Thomas is back, that you know a lot of targets will be funneled his way, but. You know, even if he is back, you would expect Troutman to see four or five, you know, high quality targets from Drew Brees around in the red zone. Uh, he was a touchdown machine and in college, uh, early round pick for the for the Saints. So, you know, if you're struggling at tight end, I think I've got him in the low twenties uh, at the tight end position with with Cook out of the rankings right now. Uh, and I think in a DFS play, he's a good you know punt at the tight end position that could you know score one or two touchdowns for you. All right. The Most Accurate Podcast is proud to be presented by FanDuel Fantasy. This year, FanDuel is now offering daily snake drafts. Snake drafts are the simplest way to try daily fantasy. Draft live just like you do in a season-long fantasy league, but with the winners every day, every game day. The best of season drafting with DFS is all in one. This is how it works. You find a daily snake draft. You draft your team live. Drafts start as soon as the contest fills. You and your opponents will draft six players 
players in, in a six-round draft with 30 seconds per pick. And unlike other FanDuel contests, there is no salary cap. So I love this concept because I'm actually drafting against other people and no other owners in the contest will have the players that I draft. So it's really cool. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free this NFL season. No deposits required. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes plus for those folks who want to deposit FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit all you have to do is go to FanDuel.com TMAP or download the FanDuel fantasy app to play now FanDuel more ways to win let's go over the Thursday night football game John and it was um, it was a game only I think fantasy owners and betters seem to like because nobody was really tuning in for Jets and Broncos, especially with uh, Brett Rippon starting for the Broncos. But, hey, 37 points for Denver, 28 for the Jets. So from a fantasy standpoint, it all worked out pretty well. The aforementioned Brett Rippon went for uh, 242 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw three interceptions. Melvin Gordon, 23 carries, 107 yards, 43 of those, 107, came on his last run, which was a touchdown. It was his second of the night. Some wide receivers for you to to kind of note for Denver. Tim Patrick, six catches, 113 yards and a touchdown. Jerry Judy, the rookie, two catches, 61 yards and a touchdown. That was on four targets. What did you take away from the Broncos' key, key stats from last night? Well, K.J. Hamler went out with a hamstring injury, I believe, early. Uh, he was playing a lot of snaps last week, like over 90%. So he, he was the kind of the player I had my eye on as a wide receiver five type, four or five type, and you know we were picking him up last week. And now I think you have to look at Tim Patrick. I, I don't think there's any way around it. Six for 113 and a touchdown on seven targets this week. Last week he had four for 43 and a touchdown on four targets. Uh, on 84% of the snaps uh, against the Bucks, um, you know he's got not the greatest schedule coming up: the Patriots, the Miami uh, Dolphins, and the uh, the Chiefs before bye. But you know you're at this point in the season, if you're able to get a guy who's going to consistently see five to seven targets and is you know proving to be a playmaker, I think you got to pay attention. I'm a little disappointed in Judy. I mean, ESPN has him for three targets. You said four. I don't know, you know, two for 61, a touchdown, that's great. But you would expect him to be a five, six-catch guy with with, uh, with Cortland Sutton out and Hamler out. And Noah Fant was, you know, missed some time. He had six targets. Uh, I think Fant was is probably the safest bet in this offense when he's healthy. Um, and then, you you know, Melvin Gordon, he, he broke off that last run, 23 carries for 107 yards, two touchdowns. He had two catches. Uh it looks like Philip Lindsay is on his way back, but you wonder now if Gordon has, you know, earned more of a bell cow back role as opposed to just being a lead back in a committee. Let's go over the Jets statistics. Another rough passing night for Sam Darnold. 23 of 42, John, 230 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Joe Flacco did enter the game. He was 2 for 2 with uh, 16 yards of passing. Darnold did lead the team in rushing. Six carries, 84 yards, and and he scored on a touchdown. His longest was 46. Gore, 13 carries, 30 yards, so he did nothing. Receiving-wise, Jamison Crowder was targeted 10 times. He caught seven passes for 104. 
And then you had Smith, nine targets, seven catches, 81 yards. Hogan, eight targets, four catches, 23 yards. What stood out from the Jets' standpoint? Yeah, you, you failed to mention Chris Herndon because he caught one pass for 11 yards on three <laughs> targets. And, you know, he was shaping up to be a really, you know, nice upside pick in the later rounds. But, you know, I know last week he was doing a lot of blocking. I didn't see all of the game. La- I mean, I didn't see much of the game last night. I walked, tuned in for the last six minutes since people were talking about it on Twitter. I had to take my son to uh, some socially distanced basketball practice. Uh, so I didn't wasn't watching. But, uh, you know, I saw him have a drop. Um you know, you'd like to see him get going more. Uh, Jameson Crowder is a baller, though. I mean, comes off the hamstring injury Thursday night, short week. You know, I I, I had him ranked a little bit higher than uh, my peers because usually when a player comes back for an early game in the week, like a Thursday night game, uh, they are feeling pretty good because otherwise, if it was iffy, they would just wait and get another what you know, seven, eight, ten days of rest before their the following week. So I. You know, I had him ranked as a wide receiver three, and he delivered with seven for 104 uh, on 10 targets. He's a safe PPR play in this offense. I don't know who Jeff Smith is, so this is new to me. Um, I got to figure. I got to figure out this, this Jets depth chart. Um, <laughs> I would have thought that they would run more. You know, because Ryan Griffin played pretty well last year with Herndon out. I thought they'd run more 12, and but uh, Adam Gase is you know beats. Walks to the beat of his own drummer. Uh, what do you think? I mean, to ask you about Sam Darnold, though. What do you think mm-hmm. about? Yeah, obviously, they're the Jets are trending towards having the first pick in the draft and probably going to get a new quarterback. Uh, right. But what, what do you think of Darnold? Are they? Is this a fair like over the last few years of his career or the first few years of his career? Is this a fair assessment of what he can do? I don't think so, John. You know, I, I know a lot of people are probably writing him off. I, I think that he is the prototypical pocket passer that's got plenty of tools, but he just doesn't have the coaching. And I actually, I defended Adam Gase for a while because I liked what he did in Denver with, with Peyton Manning, and people can write it off. Oh, well, it's Peyton Manning. Okay. Jay Cutler had his best statistical year in Chicago when Adam Gase was his offensive coordinator. Then he gets down to Miami, and there's not a lot of talent there, and the offense was you know, floundered, and then he gets to New York, and there's not a lot of tan- talent there, and the offense is floundering. I think he's a better play caller than a head coach. Nevertheless, Sam Darnold doesn't have the coaching or the talent around him to, to uh, fully succeed. And I think if they draft another quarterback, whether it's Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson or Justin Fields out of Ohio State, you're probably going to look at the same issues until they upgrade the talent. Uh, now, while I defend Gase as a play caller, Le'Veon Bell, I don't think he ever really wanted Le'Veon Bell, and that kind of showed. The, the wide receivers aren't aren't terrific there, and the offensive line has been bad. So to answer your question directly, no, I don't think that this is a, a great assessment of Sam Darnold. The only problem is, is he's so shell-shocked now that yeah. he's not ever going to maybe – Nobody is going to tap into that that talent that he does have. We, we all remember the Monday Night Football game a year ago when he played the Patriots and, and the cameras caught him on the sideline saying that, that he's seeing Ghost. Um, I don't know if he's too far gone at this point where it's just, it's just not going to happen for the kid, but I think there's way more physical, raw talent there than is being displayed by uh, the Jets situation. Yeah, I wonder if uh, this will be a, a situation where, like Ryan Tannehill, so when he gets out of Miami... Yeah, uh, goes to a, a system that's better built for him and a place where you can actually succeed with some talent around him and and does does a lot better if there's going to be another team that, that taps into the Sam Darnold uh, that people thought they were going to get when they drafted right. him. 
Uh, I'll tell I'll tell a very very quick story. Give me one minute on this, but it, it does play into this. So when Bill Walsh, and we all know Bill Walsh is one of the greatest talent evaluators and one of the greatest offensive minds in NFL history. Um, when he was scouting one of the drafts, uh, when he was with the 49ers, he had told his quarterback coach after after seeing Rich Gannon throw out of the corner of his eye, he's like, "Hey, uh, go go scout him." So the quarterback coach goes and scouts Rich Gannon, and uh, Walsh winds up not taking Gannon, but you know, always in the back of his mind, he's like, "This this, this kid, whether it's a a foot footwork thing or whatever, he just there's something there that Bill Walsh liked about Gannon." Well, Gannon goes off, and you know, I think he played in the USL for a little while. Eventually, comes back and he winds up leading the Raiders to the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. Now, they lost that game, but obviously Gannon was was very good later in his career. The reason why I'm bringing this up is that the offense that Bill Walsh ran, obviously, was the West Coast offense. John Gruden runs the West Coast offense, and there are certain traits that Bill Walsh saw in Gannon that he liked for the quarterback to run his West Coast system. Obviously, John Gruden found the right West Coast guy in Gannon, wound up playing in a Super Bowl, right? Well, um, Gannon, of course, is somebody that fit a very specific system. I wonder if Sam Darnold can eventually fit in a specific system and somebody can recognize that and save, save his career before it's too late. So you just never know. Yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, dynasty standpoint, he's also athletic and has that ability to run. As we saw, uh, it was quite the run, that 40-something yeah. yard run. Uh, he's always been pretty good with his legs as well. So, uh, you know, I think down the line maybe uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen with the Jets, but down the line maybe he can have a resurgence in his career like uh, Tannehill and Gannon did. Yeah, exactly. And, and by the way, Gannon, Gannon, of course, did not uh, – Gruden did not lead the Raiders to the Super Bowl. That was that was um, Tampa Bay. But it was the similar system that, that allowed Gannon to uh, thrive under Gruden initially. So, again, West Coast was the was the system. All right, let's get into some sneaky starts, John. Let's, let's go over some quarterbacks that you like, starting off with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he had a, quite a game against uh, the Jaguars last Thursday. Uh, the Seahawks – Let's see. What have they given up in the passing game? 472 and three touchdowns to Dak Dak Prescott, 397 yards and a touchdown to Cam Newton, 450 yards, two touchdowns uh, to whoever the third player. Matt Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're giving up over 400 yards uh, a game through the air. The defense has actually – the rush defense has actually been pretty good for the Seahawks, so they're probably going to have a tough time running the ball. Um, the Dolphins. So, and then you also would figure that the Seahawks' offense is going to continue to roll and, and put the the Dolphins in a position where they need to throw to catch up, and that's prime Fitzmagic time. Uh, he is fully capable of a three touchdown game, or a three interception game, or a three touchdown and a three interception game. <laughs> so just be ready for anything uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I think this is a good week to start. Good as week as any to start him uh, at home against a team that's got to travel cross country and hasn't stopped anyone uh, this year. Uh, I love your other quarterback selection. Well, you have you have others, and you want to make sure that you go to 44.com to check out John's complete Sneaky Starts articles because we, we cover a couple of players, but there's there's several that uh, John lists at each position. Nick Mullins I really like this week. The Eagles are in disarray. We, we saw last week from Nick Mullins, he's kind of the perfect guy for Kyle Shanahan because of his accuracy and his ability to get the ball out quickly. Uh, but why do you like Nick Mullins from a fantasy perspective? Uh, again, the defense is uh, – 
kind of playing pass funnel defense. The, the Philly rush defense is pretty good. They might uh, be able to lock down or at least limit the 49ers rushing game. Uh, against the pass, they're not so good. Uh, we uh, released our first iteration of 2020 uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, this week. Uh, it's got three weeks of data now working with what we call it AFPA. AFPA and uh, the, the Eagles are 23rd in that metric against quarterbacks. So this is a nice matchup for Mullins. Uh, if you go back to his career, looking at his whole career, He's averaged 291 yards and 1.55 touchdowns with a yards per attempt of 8.45. You know, being over eight is not shocking in Kyle Shanahan's system. Uh, you know, Grapplo is as well, but it's the second highest yards per attempt of the 45 quarterbacks with at least 200 pass attempts since 2018. So it's uh, pretty uh, impressive. And he's also getting uh, George Kittle back, which can only help. Um, the last two weeks, Eagles gave up 312, two touchdowns to Joe Burrow, and then uh, 267 yards and three touchdowns to Jared Goff the week before. So, you know, if you're hurting it at uh, quarterback, I think Mullins has a chance to get two or three touchdowns for you. Might as well stick with the same team. Jared McKinnon is one of your sneaky starts for running backs. Yeah, and I think that, the, you know, the the running game might not be there because the, the, the Eagles are pretty good against the run itself, but they are giving up fantasy points to running backs. They're 23rd in just fantasy points allowed to running backs, and I think some of that's through the air. And McKinnon is better suited than Jeff Wilson uh, to score points through the air. And, and I went back and looked at the game log because, you know, Wilson ended up with two touchdowns, which is great because I had him ranked fairly high. Uh, so that paid off for people. But when you look at the actual touches through the first three quarters because that game got out of hand there in the fourth quarter and they just sort of benched McKinnon because in the first three quarters it was 17 touches uh, to five uh, through three quarters McKinnon uh, compared to Wilson so McKinnon definitely is the lead back with Raheem Mostert out and Tevin Coleman out uh, Mc Wilson probably will come in on the and the goal line, but McKinnon had a rushing touchdown uh, last week as well, so they're not afraid to use him uh, in the red zone and the green zone. So uh, I like Cam in this game. It should be fairly high scoring, um, and the, the Philly defense is, is struggling in general, so I think he'll make some plays in the passing game. Let's talk about Naheem Hines, who's another running back that you like. Hines is on the road this week against the Bears. Do you see a lot of PPR action for Hines? Yeah, this is a deep, and I also mentioned Carlos Hyde and, and Travis Homer in the article. I just wanted to touch on that because Chris Carson uh, was looking like he was going to be out, but he did practice limited yesterday, so he has a chance to play this week. So keep an eye on that if you're, if you're hoping for Hyde or Homer to, to start for you. Uh, Naheem Hines, I just think that the, you know, he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, you look at the Colts, they're out, they're, they're down Michael Pittman, they're down Paris Campbell. Um, so they need players to catch passes, and I think Hines could see some more routes run you know, as he tries to shore up this receiving game because they're, they're down to T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal and like Doris Fountain. And so I think Hines could play a larger role uh, against the Bears as a, as a pass catcher than he has. I mean, he's been kind of spotty in his usage. First week it was a lot, and then second week he barely played, and then last week I think he was more involved. Um, uh, 11 touches, 61 yards, and a for a PPR day of 10 points. So if you need a, you need 10 points, I think maybe Hines could be your man. All right, switching over to wide receivers now. How about Hunter Renfro, who's a wide receiver for the Raiders? Obviously, Henry Ruggs is there, uh, but, you know, and Braylon Edwards is there, but, but both are out with injuries. So Renfro might be Derek Carr's number one guy. Yeah, it's Brian Edwards, not Braylon, but I like uh, thank the you. callback, a call, yeah. <laughs> callback to, <laughs> Braylon. to Braylon that brought back some memories. Uh, yeah, with Ruggs and Edwards both out, uh, 
Renfro had six for 84 and a touchdown last week. I don't, I haven't looked at his prices on the DFS sites, but if they're low, I would probably have him in every one of my lineups because he has a history of producing. Uh, last year, he had seven for 107 and a touchdown against the Chargers and six for 102 against the Broncos late last year to close the season. So he's already produced. He already had the six for 84 last week. Uh, he's got the rapport with uh, Derek Carr. Uh, but then you look at the Bills' defense, and they're just getting killed in the slot. They gave up 9 for 107 and a touchdown to Cooper Cup last week, 7 for 76 to Isaiah Ford uh, the week before, and then 7 for 115 and a touchdown to Jamison Crowder in week one. So they're just getting killed in the slot. He's a slot guy. He's produced. There's injuries all over this you know, receiving core. Maybe this is a trap. <laughs> I don't know. People will t- tweet me and say, oh, it's a trap. And I don't know. Like, it looks too good to be true. Right. Uh, but, you know, if I had Renfro, I'd be starting him. Uh, and probably in most of my leagues, I have him ranked as a wide receiver three. So in a week where we've got a number of injuries, we've got the Tennessee game, uh, Pittsburgh game, all of a sudden, you know, as a bye, uh, people are scrambling for some starters. I think Renfro is a solid guy, especially in PPR. You like a couple of Texans wide receivers against that Minnesota secondary that has been torched in the early going. One of one, one of which is Brandon Cooks. Yeah, you know, with Fuller dinged up, uh, I think Cooks. Even even with Fuller playing, I think Cooks is a nice play. He's a high air yards guy. The, the Vikings are just getting torched in the passing game, uh, so I think Cooks is a good upside play. He's always capable of putting up like a, you know a three for. 30 day for you but he's also uh, speedy and can catch a you know catch a long pass for touchdown uh Cobb also scored last week uh but he's you know four targets last week uh he made the most of it four for 95 and a touchdown uh you can't expect that sort of production on four targets but again watch Fuller if Fuller's out then you know Kenny Stills comes in and maybe Cobb get Cobb and Cooks get more targets um and then I'll just go through the other one too T, T. Higgins for the Bengals, I mentioned him earlier as it would be really nice if the Packers had him. Uh, they passed on him so they could draft a backup quarterback for their Hall of Fame uh, quarterback. Um, Still not better. Not better at all. No, uh, the rookie there in for Cincy, you look at his snaps, 22% week one, 65% week two, 79% week three. That's good, right? And he's got 15 targets over the last two weeks. That's good. He's a huge dude. When they throw to him, I think he's the tight end. I mean, he's a giant. Uh he turned nine targets into five catches for 40 yards and two touchdowns last week against Philly. Uh, he runs nearly half his routes on the right side, and he'll be in a favorable matchup with uh, C.J. Henderson, who, who's been burnable this, this year. Uh, and A.J. Green, you know, we were expecting him to have his breakout game, A.J. Green, and I think, you know, there's still talent there. He just looks a little bit off. I don't know if his legs are completely underneath him. And they were just feeding him so many targets – for weeks one and weeks two, week one and two, that the the volume was eventually going to come, but they stopped force feeding him in week three, and I don't know if that's a sign of things to come that they're they're now going to try to get Higgins going. Uh, John Ross, I believe, was a healthy scratch, uh, so it looks like Higgins is the number three receiver in this offense, and if Green continues to kind of squander the opportunity and usage he's been getting, then he could easily Higgins work his way into the wider two wide receiver two spot, or even potentially the wide receiver one spot with with Boyd being you know more the comp- complementary receiver. I mean, I think I like Boyd there the most, 
but Higgins, available on a lot of waiver wires still, is uh, definitely trending up. Well, the Packers don't have T. Higgins, but they do have Robert Tanyan, who should be a part of the uh, onslaught on Monday night. I'm thinking... <laughs> Again, 45 points by the Packers or Aaron Rodgers and company should call it a day and quit because that uh, Falcons defense is terrible. So uh, I don't I don't I don't need to ask you why Tanyan is a play this week, John. I know why. <laughs> you know why? Uh, 60% of the snaps all three weeks. He had five for 15 and a touchdown and five targets against the Saints last week with Devontae Adams out, with uh, Alan Lazard out. His role should continue to be significant, I would think. Uh, you know, Rodgers is starting to look for him uh, when he rolls out or when he drops back, and uh, they're, they're starting to design plays for him. Uh, he's the former uh, converted receiver from, I believe, Indiana State. Uh, very athletic for the position. And you look at what the Falcons have given up over the last three weeks to the tight end position, six for 60 and two touchdowns to Jimmy Graham. And this is, the year, this is the year 2020. Yeesh. Uh, nine for 88 and a touchdown to Dalton Schultz, and uh, four for 24 and a touchdown to Greg Olson. Uh, so that was their, probably their best, their best week against tight ends. Uh, so I, you know, I think Tanyan is certainly, uh, if you're looking for any sort of help at tight end, or you're looking for a sneaky start at tight end, Tanyan is a good play. Finally, you like the two Buccaneers tight ends, OJ Howard and Rob Gronkowski against the Chargers. And I need to correct myself. I didn't call him Baby Kittle. Hashtag Baby Kittle. There I'm trying to get this nickname going, and it's not happening very well. So I'm going to say it every time I talk to him. Uh, yes, the Buccaneers tight ends, the much maligned uh, tight ends that don't need to catch the ball uh, in Bruce Arians' offense. Although Gronkowski was more involved last week. Howard's been involved in and out during the season. I think with Chris Godwin out, Scotty Miller is banged up, although it looks like Scotty Miller might play. He was back at practice today. Uh, Justin Watson playing in the slot. He's back at practice. I think it. I think that the uh, the the Buccaneers tight ends might see a little bit more run this week and a few more targets because they're just they're better than these other like these fringe receivers that they have after you know Watson and Miller and they're probably better than those guys. So um, I you know I have no confidence in either one of them as individuals uh, just given the way that uh, Bruce Arians has been treating them in, in the passing game. But you know with the dearth of talent uh, with Godwin out, uh, I think you're. This is a spot where Howard and Grant could could uh, could play more and, and maybe produce for you. And before we tell you goodbye, John, I know that you wanted to share a story about your guy Tom Petty, since this is the anniversary and we're recording on Friday, the anniversary yeah, I don't know of his if, death. Yeah, so I was living uh, in in Memphis and uh, I had tickets to see Petty at the Pyramid, and they were like 18th row. Uh, I was in his. Uh, fan club and he always was I was always able to get tickets with, within the first 20 rows which was really cool I actually had tickets to see him in the second row the following night in Nashville and went to that show that was fantastic it's a whole nother story but I was I took this uh, girl I was kind of dating just started seeing uh, she was a flight attendant and she was a little kooky uh, a little nutty a little wild I guess uh, but you know we went to the show and um you know, she leaves to go to the bathroom or get a beer or whatever. Um, and she's gone like a really long time, like four or five songs. And I don't know about you, but, uh, 
with my significant other, I take them to a concert and they are gone that long. I get a little frustrated because it really shouldn't take that long to, to go to the bathroom. Uh, so who knows what was going on, but she comes back and I'm a little irritated at this point, but she shows me two tickets in her hand and she said, I ran into this couple that was heading out and she they said that we could have their tickets and they're in the front row. And I was like, what? And I went from very wow. upset to, wow, this is great. Um, we went up to the front row and that, yes, they were in the front row, but they were on the very, um, end of the row so we were still you know a decent way away from petty who's in the middle of the stage obviously and this was back in the day where the fans in the front row would be like leaned up right um on the stage like there's there's the level of the stage and then it went up a step and sometimes petty would come down and play on that first step so you know the people that were in the you know leaning up against the stage could actually reach out and touch them if they wanted to which only a crazy person would do that so um we're there for about a minute and there, you know we're probably heading into the final two songs of the regular maybe final three songs of the main set and then they're going to have the encore after that and all of a sudden we see a couple in the middle of the stage like dead center they like leave their spot in the center of the stage and we're like what so we went we're like oh let's go because you could walk right behind everybody like in front of the seats but behind the people that are up against the stage we walked right in there and and camp you know planted ourselves right between uh right with that space where that couple was and it was basically like right in front of where petty was singing and playing so he was literally four or five feet from me which is bonkers um so he plays his main set um and i forget when it happened but he went into uh free fallen and um played uh you know it's one of my favorite songs from uh, full moon fever played free falling and i saw the guy next to me like put out his hands in a cup like and i guess that meant i figured out in my big brain that that meant that you know throw me your pick right so i did the same thing and so petty like finishes the song the crowd's going crazy and he drops the pick and it lands like between me and this other guy so with my cat like like reflexes at the time i i got the pick uh, that he played free falling with uh, at the at that concert, and then during the uh, encore, or maybe it was before, but he played American Girl, and at that point, they're going through their whole you know deal in the middle of the song where it's like you know instrumental. Mike Campbell's going nuts. Petty's down on the, that first step, so he's literally two feet. His foot, his boot. He's like wearing these leather suede boots, and they were two feet from me, so I couldn't resist. You know, like only a crazy person would re- reach out and touch the lead singer <laughs> and I was a few beers in I'll say um, and I reached out and I just like I closed my fist and I just tapped his uh, his toe on his boot like two or three times and then I looked up at him and he was looking down at me with that big toothy grin like I'm glad I didn't piss him off or anything but he's like look at this giant dude touching my boot right now and he's feeling it and they're having a good time like it was a big toothy grin and he seemed like he was enjoying it or whatever and like it wasn't a problem which was good and then i was just like wow that's like my, my brush with with tom petty like it's nothing it's nothing like that's ever going to happen again so that uh then the show ended and that was the end of it but the i looked at the pick after the fact and it says uh, rock lives on it it was just printed on it and uh that's it's awesome. pretty cool it's a pretty cool uh, memory from that show that's really cool. I, 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 you're lucky you didn't step on your your hand. 
shatter it. But that's that's a pretty cool story. And for those that don't know, John John played college basketball too, so he is a big, tall dude. So not only do you have do you have uh, or did you have cat-like reflexes, you probably had the wingspan to get that pick too. That guy had no chance. He had no chance. And I, you know, I had as you mentioned, played college basketball, so the quick hands got there. And I and I didn't like just just to be clear, I didn't like pound. Uh, <laughs> Petty's foot. I just basically gently tapped it like, here's Tom Petty's boot. Like, that's how I did it. And uh, just to see him looking down at me with a big grin was uh, was really cool. I'll never forget that's that. Awesome. That's very cool. That's John Paulson. You can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John, uh, who I'm sure John will be listening to a lot of Tom Petty throughout the course of the day today. We appreciate you listening to 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter if you'd like to. We will be back next week. Good luck to all fantasy owners both uh, league, you know, year-long and DFS. We'll see you next time on 444.com, the most accurate podcast. Diamonds and dust.